CHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now 248 545 Soul. New SkyRadio.com. Have aliens communicated with humans by means of a simple code? Are they really aliens? Or are they really aliens? What does the communication mean? I guess, are we really aliens works too. Uh, Hey there, and welcome to the 418th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those significant questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we return to the Rendlesham Forest UFO case, well, specifically Rendlesham Forest in England, where some new witnesses have come forward to illustrate that the December 1980 UFO landings might have been just the tip of the iceberg. Well, we're very pleased to welcome Brenda Butler, independent paranormal researcher from Leiston, is it Leiston or Leiston? Leiston. Neither. Leiston (laughs) in Suffolk, England, and our indomitable UK show reporter and good friend, Ronnie Dugdale. Brenda and Ronnie, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hi there, Ben. And Paul. Alrighty, so Ronnie, let's start with you. So before we begin our questions, can you give us um, the basic background on what happened at Reynoldsham Forest in uh, December 1980? Now, let's make it 25 words or less. Because uh, a lot <laughs> happened, so <laughs> just a brief summary. Ben, you're a difficult taskmaster. I yeah, tried. yes, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, anyway, um, in 1980, there was um, uh, uh, sightings of UFOs over a few days of the Christmas period, um, where on over three a period of three nights, um, a landed craft was seen um, by Peniston Burrows. On the first night, and on the third night by um, Charles Holt and um, others, and Larry Warren's sighting comes into that third night as well. Okay. Oh, well, that actually, I, I was just joking about the 25 Maybe words 26 or less. Words. I, was, I was joking <laughs> about the 25 words or less. So if you want to give more detail, you can go for it. But if not, we'll uh, continue well, with the uh, well, let's refer everyone to uh, our podcast page on BehindTheParanormal.com. Yeah, yeah I think that's best. Many, many hours. We've covered this case more than any other show on radio and television. We've interviewed all the major witnesses at least once, sometimes several times. And we've gotten everybody into the act. Stan Friedman, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, and all the big names. Uh, and Ronnie has been a tremendous help in that. And Brenda now joins the fray. All right, so as my dad just mentioned, we have covered this case backwards and forwards and interviewed all the major people since 2010. But we suspected that uh, the Rendlesham Forest region was one of those regions where there was uh, much more going on, a possible portal or a flap area. And our visit there a few months ago, oh, wow, it seems like it was years ago when we were there. Uh, confirmed, Time flies and having fun. But... Yeah, I guess. Uh, confirmed this what this as far as we were concerned or well they, it confirmed that it was a flap area or a portal area or something like that as far as we can see so brenda now you're Hi, a lo- ben. how are you doing today i'm fine ben thanks all right so you're a local resident and you can be considered the first non-military person to start investigating this case so how did you first hear about the incidents in uh, december 1980 um well i had a friend um, Steve Roberts, who I'd known since 1975. He was um, one of the security guards down at um, Bentwaters, and he turned up at one of the P- 
pubs that one of um, my friends, Chris Pennington, was playing at. And we got talking about UFOs. So when this happened in 1980, he turned up at one of the Christmas parties that we had, sorry, New Year's Eve parties that we had. And he said that a craft had come down in the forest. And that's how I first heard about it. And then he came to my house on January the 2nd. And he came and told me that a craft came down in the forest. But I wouldn't to say anything until I heard it from other people. And he also asked me to keep his name quiet and never to re- uh, release his name. All right, that works. So in your opinion, what exactly happened over those four nights? Well, Ben, I wasn't there. I have investigated and done a lot of interviewing of local people, the British people, and they all says um, that it happened on the 27th or the 28th. I haven't got any other dates, only the, 25th, uh, sorry, the 27th or 28th. And they saw a craft come over and craft a big triangular craft with lights on, but nobody saw it land except for a guy named Neville who was in the taxis. And he was coming along the road with a taxi driver, and he saw a craft come over. The taxi driver stopped the the taxi. They got out and had a look, and they saw a craft up in the sky, but they saw a lot of things coming off the craft, and it came down in the field at Capel Green. So all the investigating that I've done and all the interviewing that I've done, then I can only um, say that, yes, something did happen there. I can't say that was a craft, but something strange happened. Okay, so the, the, the Cable Green Landing, which, which is the site that I visited with you on that, that day that I was out there with you, um, that was um, the same landing that, that Larry Warren witnessed, or was this a different one? No, no, um, no. Is that Paul I'm talking to now? Yes. yes. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you sound sorry. Um, yes. Um, we. Yeah, you went to the field, didn't you? And that's the one that Larry says um, the UFO landed in, yes. Okay. That was Cable Green. Now, our understanding uh, is is that you and others had experiences at, at this site long before this and also since then. Um, is that, Could you tell us about those? Yeah, um, are you talking about sightings, Paul, or, or well, um, sightings, uh, events, uh, information, downloads, uh, okay. other events, uh, you know, to- seemingly unrelated paranormal phenomena such as Yeti things it's pretty, of that kind. Broad. It's very broad. Yeah. So if you could yeah, just that. just go right ahead and, and tell us about some of the things that you experienced, and w- when when the first uh, experiences were for you there, Brenda. I take it they were before 1980. Yes, 1979. Okay. Um, yeah, there, there was um, because I was um, known as the UFO investigator around the area at the time. And if anything happened, even the local police would contact me. Well, in 1979, there was um, some villagers back in Melton and around the area in Woodbridge. They contacted me to say they'd seen this big craft go over the forest and over the base. And a young couple on a motorcycle, on a motorbike, coming home at 11 o'clock one night, they saw one, a triangular craft come right over top of them. And so they got in touch with me and I went out to investigate and interview them. And I went on the base and I I investigated a load of stuff on the base, interviewed Americans on the base, the security guards on the base. Nobody told me I couldn't do it. Nobody told me to get off the base or anything. And that was in 1979. That was also, there was uh, quite a lot of UFOs seen around the area at the time. Um, Big balls of light. And then, of course, there was 1980, um, 
the first one in 1980 was in July, and the second one was in November 1980. We had another craft sighting over Woodbridge and over Bent Waters, and I went down and investigated that. And then there was the December 1981. And when we tried to investigate that, um, Dot Street and myself about February, March time, it seemed as though all hell was let loose then, and um, a lot of stuff was um, kept quiet. We were told we weren't to investigate it. We were sort of followed around. People we'd spoken to before um, before that in February, January, February time, um, they were told to keep quiet. They weren't allowed to speak to us. There was um, an MOD cordon went around one of the old people's houses, a couple's house that we went to. MOD um, being the British Ministry of Defence. Yeah. Right. As soon as we talked to these um, two elderly people who overlooked the runway lights and told us what they saw happen, they said they saw a helicopter with something sort of like an ice, upturned ice cream cone underneath it and that hit the runway lights. Um, next time we went down to speak to them, the MOD had put red and white tape all the way around and they that said MOD property keep out and we weren't allowed to talk to them. A lot of the farmers by this time and a lot of the local people also wouldn't speak to us as time went by. They'd all had visits from different people they didn't know. Some said that was the NCA, some said that was the FBI, some said they were intelligent men. You know, they'd all gone round anyway, different people who we'd seen, and they'd gone round to tell them all to keep quiet. Really? Okay. Yeah. So how many how many people in, in general would you say were involved in this um were involved as as witnesses and were told to keep quiet or didn't keep quiet. How many people do you think witnessed things of this kind at Randallsham in that period, locally? Well, when we first start, when this first came about, a lot of people contacted me before they even went to the newspapers. Um, I put it in the local newspapers about 1981-82, and they ran a story and asked if anybody had seen anything around the around the local areas. So I was getting quite a few local people. And phoning me up and saying what they'd seen, and that was before they even became known. Um, so there was a um, young couple who were in a place we call Daisy Walk. There was people coming along the road, along the Butley Road. There was a traveller, Mr. Smeekle. Um, he he phoned me up and he told me what he saw. There was another lady who saw a red flying disc. Um, there was another gentleman who said he saw a like a torpedo shape go over. Um, all these people saw... You know, there was quite a few. I guess there was about a dozen um, that we interviewed for 1983. There was also one little lad who was about nine, and he was walking his dog along sort of like from Orford to Bordsea, and he saw a big, what he called it, as a dust cloud up in the sky, and he saw a big green light come out of this dust cloud, and it went down onto the sea just off Wolf Island. Interesting. See, in our... In our um brief experience there this place reminds me of uh in this country in the state of utah there's a place called skinwalker ranch and it's one of these flap areas that is mm -hmm. extremely active and people would see things coming through holes in the sky and, and, and landing and things of this kind plus uh seemingly non-ufo events such as yeti and uh other presences and you have some amazing photographs that you showed us uh, when we were there, uh, can you tell us about before we get back into the UFO thing? Could you tell us well, about? We have a break coming up. Oh, we do have a break coming up. What am I? Uh... We have about two minutes. Okay, two minutes. Well, actually, probably a minute. And a half All right. Well, we'll give Brent a chance to start thinking about her answer to that question. Then. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Didn't want to have her start and then have to cut her off. Yeah, well, we always have to do that anyway. Um, and we also want to uh, bring up the issue of uh, Lord David Hill, uh, Peter Hill Norton, I should say, and uh, how you. 
uh, were led to him in this whole thing. And he was, he's been a major spokesman uh, for the um, common sense, in my opinion, uh, from the British side of the pond for, uh, on this UFO issue. Okay, okay. so we, we are going to take a break here. And you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com. I should say radio.com. That seems to be the better way to get in there if you want to listen to us on the computer. And we're speaking this evening with two of the local re uh, residents of the area of Rendlesham Forest with a great 1980 case and many other things apparently that people don't know about did occur. So we will be right back. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries. Thank you. 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. And our guests this evening are Ronnie Dugdale and Brenda Butler of Suffolk, England, who are experts and certainly among the first, um, certainly Brenda being among the first civilian investigator of the Rendlesham Forest UFO case of 1980. And we're getting into some things that were not generally known about this and some of which have not been mentioned in public at all. So, Brenda, before we get into the matter of codes, uh, binary codes. uh, We have one more preliminary question to ask before we get into that. So that is, um, who was uh, David Daniels, and how did he lead you to uh, Lord Peter Hill Norton? David Daniels was a gentleman who turned, um, well, he came over to see me, and he stayed with Dot Street for a little while, but Dot and him didn't get on whatsoever. And Adopting um, another uh, UFO. Uh, yeah, Dot Street, sorry. Yeah. Right, okay, sorry. And he stayed with her, but they didn't get on. Um, she absolutely hated him. And he just wanted to leave there and come stay with me. Um, he was a actually he was a reptilian, and I saw him change into a reptilian on <laughs> three different occasions. Okay, let, let's stop there. Okay, now we we might be for some listeners stretching the bounds of credibility here. Could you tell us what a reptilian is and how this guy came into uh, into the area and into your lives? Well, he turned up as a human, um, and he said he was from the Pleiades. He was tall and thin, really long arms, long fingers. Um, he was very, um, very, very, or uh, he was very, very spiritual. And he didn't eat anything, only green foods, plenty of sweets. He could appear and disappear at will. He could read any book backwards, forwards, whatever. He didn't even have to hardly look at the book and he didn't tell you the pages of it. Um, and he could use the telephone. He used to use our telephone when he was staying with us and nothing appeared on the telephone bill. And when, let me well, come back to it. come stay here anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go, go ahead. That's right. When he was standing at Dots anyway, they had a big row and I went upstairs to see him up to Dots and knocked on the door and he said, if it's Dot, you can't come in, but if that's Brenda, you, no, I said, that's Brenda. He said, well, come in. So I went in and he said, I think it's about time you, I show you something. And anyway, I sat on his bed and he started to shake. And as he shook, he went into like a reptilian type thing. He sort of like had snake skin and he had slanted eyes, um, big eyes then. He started talking in this really, really weird language and his hands swelled up and he had veins on the back of his hands all swelled up really, really big. And he started talking in this really weird language. But that, um, that was only for about two minutes I saw that. And then after he came out of it, he asked for sweets and he wanted um, dolly mixtures, which he had there, and he had loads of them. Then we went downstairs because Dot was calling us and she was getting cross. So we went downstairs and he said, can I have a glass of water? And she said, no, go back upstairs. You're not to have anything. And then he turned up um, a few days later. He came to my house and he stayed with us. And he was showing me, showing me all the star charts and everything. He wrote all different grids all over our road maps and over our atlases and everything. Um, and we used to go out and about and we really sort of jailed together. And then he said to me he wanted to go and see Lord Hill Norton um, because Lord Hill Norton, well, he just wanted to talk to him about the Pleiades and that. So I went up to London with him and we went in to see Lord Hill Norton. We were searched as we went in. 
And um, I'm sorry to interrupt we, again, but just uh, could you just uh, tell us who uh, Lord Norton, Lord Hill Norton, uh, was? I know he passed away recently. Was he was, was a he was an admiral? Was he was he on the admiralty or? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's uh, Admiral of the Fleet. He was um, okay. the equivalent of your Joint Chiefs of Staff. Okay, oh. very high-ranking uh, British military as official. As high as you who, get. Yeah, was, who was uh, a, a uh, realized that something really is going on with UFOs that was a matter of national security. I'm sorry, go ahead, Brenda. That's all right. He was in the House of Lords. So we went up. He invited us to go up there. So we went in, in and um, so I say we searched for him. We went in there. We sat in this room, a small room with a great big, huge, long table. And David and I sat one side and Lord Hill Norton sat the other side. And I'd taken my Sky Crash book to show him from Rendlesham to see if I could get any information out of him. And David started talking about the Pleiades and his planet and all about the water planet being the Pleiades and that. And Lord Hill Norton was really, really interested in it. And when I asked him to look at Sky Crash and I told him about Rendlesham, he said Sky no. Sky Crash being your book from yeah. 1983. Okay. Yeah. And um, then... He said, no, I'm not really interested. And I said, well, you know, that was to do with the Americans. And he said, well, I'm not really interested because I guess the fishes get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and he said, to, and he turned to Dave and he said, but I'm interested in what you've got to say about the Pleiades. So we stayed there for quite a while, for an hour or so, I guess. And we asked if he could help us with the case. And he said, no, because he was retiring. You know, when he retired, he'd lose his pension and all that if he indulged in all of that sort of thing. So... Basically, um, that was um, that. And then David went to see Lord Glen Carty and got on really, really well with them. And he went to stay with Ralph Noyes on um, for about a week or so. And while he was staying with Ralph Noyes, um, David actually shew him. He took him to one of the bridges. I'm not sure which one, but he actually brought forward eight UFOs. And this was um, reported in a magazine and... Ralph Noyes told some people that he had actually seen these UFOs while David was staying with him. Yes, but um, Paul, for the, those who don't know, Ralph Noyes done a similar job at the MOD that Nick mm. Pope done in later years. Oh, Nick Pope. Everyone who yep. sees television documentaries on this knows Nick Pope, and he's been yep. on our show many times, including in the Rendlesham series. Yeah. Well, that, that's quite a bit to digest, Brenda. Um, <laughs> ben, any, any questions on that before we get into the issue of the codes? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, there is, there, is a, there is a great deal of uh, interest now in the uh, binary codes, which are just series of zeros and ones. It's really a ba very basic computer language. That Jim Penniston, uh, one of the major U.S. Air Force witnesses in the December 1980 incident, says was downloaded to him when he touched one of the landed craft, or, or the landed craft, or one of them anyway. And he said that uh, this came to him later, and they're, they're basing a book on this now. But now Brenda is is bringing forward the information that uh, that Jim Penniston was not the only one to receive downloaded codes in some form or another uh, in this area and uh, sort of related to this incident. Brenda, can you uh, tell us what's uh, what's happening with that? Well, I've been downloading these codes for years and years and years. I mean, my brother, my older brother, he can remember me doing loads of symbols and different writings. And that when I was about five years old, that's when I first saw a UFO. And so I went aboard a UFO. But since then, I've downloaded quite a lot of them. And in 1979, I, on, I um, downloaded quite a few symbols and codes. In 1983, I downloaded loads and loads of codes. And... Um, I've been downloaded them most of um, most of my life, basically, all along. And not only that, um, I went on Big Breakfast Television and I met another woman, Ro um, Rosalind Reynolds Parnell, 
and she had more or less the same symbols and codes and people's, you know, ET's names and that's what I did. And we sort of shoo each other the codes and everything. They were practically similar. And there was another lady, June, up in London. I'd done a UFO conference with her and she had more or less the same codes and everything. And this was back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ronnie came over to mine and to be honest I've never ever thought anything of these symbols or of these codes I just download them I don't know what they mean I haven't got a computer I've got no way to see what they mean or anything and that was only when Ronnie came over mine uh, what, a couple of weeks ago and, uh, and he he was looking through all this stuff and he said oh look look you know you've got some codes and symbols and all that here and I said they don't mean anything to me they mean nothing to me I said I've got loads pages and pages of them and then Ronnie took them, and can, can Ronnie tell you then yeah. what happened? Sure. Yeah, if I just explain what happened, Paul, I was, um, Brenda's been very kind recently, and she's turned over her personal diaries, going right back to the 1970s and before, and all through the Rendlesham incident, the people she interviewed, what they said, who done what, um, and all her papers. If you can imagine, she's got a room absolutely stacked to the ceiling full of papers, and I was going through these, and I come across, first of all, some some pages of symbols and amongst them I recognised some of the symbols to be in the same as what Jim Penniston had on his glyphs on the craft and also the same as what um, Laurie Redfelt had on her painting um, you know the, the circle with the triangle in the middle with the, the, mm-hmm. anyway they, they were the same and several other um, similar, the hundreds and hundreds of these glyphs but then ones in particular I, I recognised to be um, of importance because they were the same as what Jim had um, seen when he when he touched the craft and, and they were on like the the number plate on the craft if you want to put it like that uh-huh. and so when anyway, i'm going through them and then i'll come across the diary entry in 1979 and this binary code and so i said what's this brenda this is binary code and she said well i don't know what it is it don't mean anything to me and the more i went through the papers i pulled out pages and pages and pages of this binary there's loads of it i mean i haven't even touched the surface of it yet but anyway we've got these binary codes and um, i looked at them some of them looked really garbled um, messages you know with no breaks in them not in in set bits of eight or seven just um, pages and pages of ones and zeros, and also with the ones and zeros was other numbers like two it's, um, digits two three four five six two one and and amongst them. So I asked Brenda what they were, and she said, "Well, she'd been in the forest and she'd got this download. She was with a, a fellow researcher called Peter Parrish, and as she saw them." Um, and she describes them the same way as Jim Pennison describes them, just in his mind's eye coming down in front of him. And she was saying they were coming fast, and there was ones and zeros. The ones and zeros were coming down, the digits were going across ways. And as she was seeing them, she was shouting them out, and Peter wrote them down. And um, I've spoken to Peter about this since, and that's all been verified. And it turns out lots of other people have um, been having downloads as well. There's two others that I have to see yet yeah, that... Um, that can, you know, had the same sort of downloads. So anyway, I got these ones and zeros, and I thought, well, what, what do I do with them? I, I, I know how to translate binary with a simple binary translator. I tried to translate them. That was beyond me. I couldn't do it. And so then I, um, I approached our friend, um, Gary Osborne, and asked him if he could help me. He's been and on the show before, yeah. He's been on the show before, yeah, and um, I know he's done some work with Jim Penniston and I thought Gary's the, the person who is only one person who can help me. Um, not only because of the, the binary, because of all these glyphs, hundreds and hundreds of glyphs. You know, Gary was very helpful and he also um, had a friend who could help us as well and uh, the friend wants to remain anonymous, so that's fine. Anyway, I sent the um, 
binary off to Gary and the expert had a look at them. And out of the seven pages that I sent him, one came back um, with a definite message on it. Now, I, that didn't surprise me. I weren't expecting um, any messages out of the, the ones because there was digits obviously missing. And Brenda said, well, she couldn't keep up with them. They were coming so fast. And um, down the forest in the dark, sat at a bench, you know, she wrote down what she could remember. So I wasn't surprised when some of them come back. I mean, they're, they're definite letters, but they don't, they're, they're scrambled and there's bits missing. But then there was one that came back with a definite message. Now, do you want me to By all read means. that one out to you? Okay. So the actual binary, what came out, the letters, reads, visit 83, landing, then OMP, then Earth. How, what do you make of that? Well, Either you or Brenda. Um, Brenda, what do you make of that one? Well, I don't know. We, uh, Ronnie and I thought it meant landing on planet Earth um, in 83, or 83 needn't be a year. It could be um, 83 landings or whatever. Or 83 places. Well, I mean, yeah. a, a skeptic might ask, you know, how do we know you didn't make up these codes and have them translated later? But you have, you have yeah. witnesses who have attested yeah. to the That's idea right. that, yeah. that, that, that you received these uh, before the 1980 incidents that everybody knows about and that yeah. other people received them as well. Uh, have you coordinated with anyone else on any messages received in this way? Um, Peter, um, okay. we're, go- we're going to see him tomorrow yeah, night. Yeah, Peter Paris, we're going to visit him tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, he's almost certain he's got recordings of Brenda receiving a, a download. He okay. filmed and taped quite a lot in that. That was around about... Um, 19, no, 2000 no, it's 2001. One. Yeah. 2001 to 2007. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, on that note, we have to take another break, I'm afraid, but we will be back with our guests, uh, Brenda Butler and Ronnie Dugdale, to talk about these codes in a little more depth. We'll be right yeah. back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal on CBS New Sky Radio and NewSkyRadio.com and Radio.com as well. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. We are disgusting... Disgusting. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. This has been a long day. Discussing uh, the binary codes received uh, from Brenda and uh, the possible meanings of them and what they mean for the rest of us. All right. Well, one thing that strikes me here, Brenda and Ronnie, is uh, these are – well, there are two things. These are very terrestrial. In other words, if these people were not – or are aliens, and, and there's there's some disagreement about what they really are, where they're really from, especially from Jim Pennison's point of view, if I may be allowed to speak for him. The It's very terrestrial. In other words, referring to this planet as Earth. I mean, one would think that someone from somewhere else would have a different name for the planet. There's, you know, we do... There was any somebody from... Or it could be like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and somebody built the planet and they just came up with Earth and everyone just thought it was bland and boring. Anything is possible in the multiverse. There's nothing boring about Earth, I can assure you that. And and then there's the matter of, of uh, was this meant for Brenda or any of the others to receive it? Or, or was it sort of, if you want to say, broadcast or beamed or whatever to someone else, perhaps in higher terrestrial authority, such as someone on... One of the I know the, both the bases are I guess one of the bases at Bentwaters is closed and Woodbridge still has some RAF activity. Is that correct? Was it meant for someone monitoring it there, and you just happen to pick it up, or what? What say you on that? I don't know. It could be quite um, true. I, I really don't know. All I know, see, I don't understand any of this, Paul. That's the problem. I mean, as I not said that before, any of us really do. No, I, I don't understand them. I mean, I didn't know they were worth anything or they meant anything until Ronnie started translating them. Yeah. You know, but a lot of the stuff that we have found out um, tonight, I mean, it's just really sort of really weird. Um, you know, I don't know. As I say, I'm not the only person down there who get them anyway, because when Peter's down there with me, he's got them. And when we're down there, one thing that you've got to understand is we're in tune with the forest um, I've been going down there 33 years now, and I've made friends with a lot of the ETs that are in the forest, and we've seen them, and I've got photographs of them, I've got photographs of their ships, and other people who come down there have seen the ETs, um, the little ones, the tall ones, you know, we've seen the Yetis, we've seen the little monks, and all kinds of stuff down there. Well, but had I, think I not, it, I'm sorry, uh, just, uh, you, well, sorry. you remember what happened to Ben there, and uh, we won't get into that, yeah. but uh, I, I had, you know, had I not been there myself, and I, I tried to be a rather skeptical person, or at least uh, balanced in that way, I, you know, I, I would I would think you might be a little batty, but I know you're not because I have felt it myself. I didn't see any Yeti or anything, but th- there were presences there. And the odd thing was that I felt as though I belonged there. What is that's, that about? I, you know. No, uh, that's right. That that is right. I mean, anybody who comes down there says the same thing, especially if they're in tune with the forest. You know, I think you've got to be in tune with the forest. You've got yes. to love love the forest. Absolutely. And, and I absolutely love the forest. And we always say love and light and we haven't come to harm you. And as I say, I've been going down there for so long and I don't know, I just love the forest. I can't mm-hmm. stay away. You know, I have to get, be down there. And if I try to stay away, then I, 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 say, yeah. I, I, I say they're calling me. We'd be there with you. <laughs> That's, That's right. It. Great. Okay. Uh, Ronnie, uh, now you said that there were other messages. What other messages have been taken from these codes that you, so far anyway 
Okay, so I've got about four decipherable messages. There's there's a lot of garbled messages where there's obviously errors in there, and, and Brenda's described that they come to her so quick that she couldn't write them down. She knew there was errors, but she wrote down what she could. But um, Bren, Brenda found a notebook in a rucksack a couple of days ago that had been there since when? 2001. Since 2001. And um, these binary messages are in there. They were in distinct blocks of eight um, bytes and I knew that with a simple binary translator I could decipher them. Now there are a few errors but um, I'll just read out the first one to you and you can make of them what you will. The first letter has got um, nine digits but the first eight spells W and then so I've put the second one in brackets so I, I'm assuming she wrote one too many. Um, the second letter is C so that then spells C-O-M-E, so I'm presuming that says we come. Then the next um, block of digits, there's um, four that don't mean anything, 0101 in brackets, but then it says I, so I'm reading into that in. And then the next letter, the next word is a definite piece, P-E-A-C-E. And then the next line is um, L-A-N-D-I-N, landing, but then there's a D, um, I don't know where that come from, but anyway, that's what it says. So I've written it down, and then a G. So looking at that, it reads like landing. Then just a zero, just a, a naught, you know, the, the binary eight bits for naught. And then it says, um, without doubt, planet, and then Earth. Then the next line, it says F-I-S-S-T. So taking into account that this, the first S is just one byte um, different to the R, that could read first. Then after that, that's definite visit, V-I-S-I-T. Oh, no, after, um, in between the visit, you've got the V-I, then you've got the numbers 24836. And a dash, I asked Brenda about the dash. She said that's where she missed something out. She don't know what it was. Okay. Could be anything. So it says visit. And then it's got a no again with this extra one digit on the end. But, so if you take the one digit off the end, you've got O, and then a dash and 442, and then you've got Earth. Then following the Earth, you've got another dash, 24836, another dash, and then 2481. And now the last word spells loam, L-O-M-E. But if you take the letter H, it's just one digit or one byte different for it to be an, an H. So like that, that could could read or could mean to read we come in peace landing on planet earth first visit of earth home that was that one all right let me ask the, my son a question here yeah. uh, just, when we were there that night mm. did you feel as though anything was trying to communicate with you uh yeah i don't know <laughs> yes you did ben come on well he 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 well, he did the shaman thing and was unconscious yeah, and doesn't generally remember uh, what what happens. No, I, I really don't remember. If something tried to contact me, then I don't know. I remember a bunch of dogs got upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, that could just be me. All right. Well, let's, I don't know. Maybe you'll start writing down codes in your sleep. Or something. Uh, okay. Th th there are a couple of possibilities uh, here that I wonder if you have, have considered. We, as a rule... Uh, we being Ben and I don't really trust a lot of messages that are received from the great beyond uh, or not that they are not received from the great beyond, but whether they're telling the truth is another thing. Yeah. We uh, don't really trust aliens very much. You know, 
we uh, have found in the paranormal in general that most things are not what they appear to be and that you can get into a lot of trouble if you take them seriously. For example, the, the Phoenix Lights phenomenon down in Arizona is uh, something that I myself have witnessed. Is, is, um, uh, kind, of, kind of makes me a little suspicious. Do you feel that whoever is sending these messages is, is legitimate, is on the up and up, is, is what they appear to be, and that is benign and uh, coming in peace, that sort of thing? Or, or could this be a ruse? Right, um, Paul. I, this is what I feel. This might not be necessarily the same as what Brenda. I, I believe that this phenomenon exists in the forest. Uh, I'm looking at the binary codes and looking at the binary codes that Jim downloaded. There seems like um, a fingerprint the same. You know, it seems as if it's come from the same source. Mm-hmm. Where, wh- wh- wherever or whatever that is, whether it's terrestrial, whether it's part of a covert operation or someone playing mind games or whatever, there's definitely there's errors similar to Jim's. And, um, you know, um, I'm not saying that Jim made mistakes when he wrote his down. I'm sure Brenda has told me that she thinks she may have made mistakes. But it seems as if it's from the same source. And Okay. Yeah. Well- all right. Well, well, Jim uh, was probably a little shaken up. I, again, I don't want to speak for him. We're going to get him in on this discussion at some point in future shows. But uh, he, he feels that these were, and John Burroughs too, they feel that these were time travelers. They weren't, weren't aliens in, in, in the, the generally accepted sense of, of the word. Uh, do, do you get any impression on that, Brenda? You're very sensitive on these things. Uh, what do you feel? Where do you feel these these people are from? Because this fellow said he was from the the Pleiades. But uh, what say you on this on this matter of where this information is coming from? No, I've got messages um, from um, which um, relate to interdimensional um, visitors to our Earth, and I've okay. also I've also got messages um, which they talk about interstellar traveling um, through other dimensions and from the future and from the past. That would strike me that all three might go together. That that's how you travel, I suppose, from one star to another. According to our understanding at the moment, would be through other dimensions where you're already there. You know that that kind yeah. of thing, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, traveling without moving, as it's been said. Well, very interesting. Uh, okay, now, now what what do you what is what is the next? We have another break coming up, but we have a minute or two. What is the next step now? In in um, Okay, the, 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 next, the next step was um, from what me and Brenda discussed. We're going to go through all her research, all her papers from years, and I've spoken to Gary about this tonight, and I'm going to pull out everything that's got a symbol. Um, a, the, there's lots of scientific symbols that we don't understand and lots of numbers and different codes, not all binary codes, but they, they appear to be uh, codes. We're going to pull everything out and then um, go through it and then we're going to hand it over to Gary and his other expert and they're going to get the first look at it, being so, being so very helpful okay, in helping us um, get started. But that's the, the first thing. I mean, I've got some other codes here that I've deciphered if you want to hear what they say. Oh, actually, we have to take a break, but when we come yeah. back, I, I want to give Brenda a chance to talk about her upcoming book and let's find out about these glyphs, too. So yeah. you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, and we will be right back. Stay with us. Enlighten. Empower. Enrich. This is CBS Radio's The New Sky. New horizons. No boundaries.
is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New skyradio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, and we are talking about the possible implications of these binary codes, as well as uh, we're going to get into in this uh, last section of the show about uh, Donna's book, which, Donna, you actually said the one you wrote with Donna. Brenda. 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 Donna. Sorry. You have had a long day, haven't you? It's been been a rough day. I'm very sorry. So, Brenda, (laughs) now that I have your name correct. (laughs) All right, so tell us about the book that you wrote with uh, Dot Street and uh, Jenny uh, Rondlet? Randles. Randles. It's out of of print, correct? So you're also working on something new, right? Yeah, Ben, that, uh, we wrote that back in 83, 84, and it was the very first book on the Rendlesham um, UFO. But the thing is, when we wrote it, we just wrote it on our experiences and on our findings. You know, we didn't do really much investigating um, after sort of 83, 84, um, not on that book anyway, um, because we just wrote what we knew at the time. So 
basically that's what that was about. And yes, that sold um, quite a lot of books, sold thousands. The Japanese bought 79,000 of them or had 79,000 printed and they sold out. So, And then the publisher wouldn't um, publish anymore because I think um, when Neville Spearman had the um, contract to do our book, when he was the publisher, he had the MOD go there and tried to take the book off the shelf. And America, America wouldn't accept it. They wouldn't accept it. So it didn't go to America. Um, but the book that I'm doing now is basically um, about my life, um, how I got into this, you know. And, um, and then really all our um, adventures down the forest and what's actually happened to us. There's a story in there about um, David Daniels, the whole complete story about what we've just been talking about on here, the reptilian. And another one about Karen, who was her husband, was the helicopter pilot um, over those nights when they went out from the 67th uh, Rescue Squadron. And I've got the whole story of her in the book. I've got a story of um, a dog walker um, who went into the forest and what he saw on the night of the 27th and several witnesses of what they saw and um, mine and Peter's adventures and other people's adventures down the forest and I'm writing that book with um, Philip Kinsella, who's also an author and who's wrote books on the paranormal and um, different things and that. Okay. And he's put some chapters in too. So, and that should be out um, within the next two or three months. Okay. Um, stick around after the show. Stay, stay on here. I might have a, an idea for you. But uh, let's get back in our last few minutes then to the, the glyphs, the symbols that also came with these this binary code. Can you tell us about that, either of you? Um, do you want to do it, Ronnie? Because then we can talk about this latest one tonight. And how they might compare with what Jim Penniston copied from the, the side of the craft. I don't know. You see, so the, the thing is, <laughs> I can honestly say I haven't seen Jim Penniston's symbols. Nobody's shown them to me. And I was, once again, I'll repeat, I haven't got a computer. I haven't got access to anybody else's computer. Ronnie is the first one now to show me these symbols. Okay. All right. yeah, the, 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 the first one that jumped out at me, Paul, is the, the circle with the triangle in the middle and the two um, 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 spheres on the circumference of it. And they're not exactly the same as um, Jim's in his notebook. They're not exactly the same as the Atsura Bune UFO, but they seem to be similar. They're, you know, that's the circle with the triangle, but in, in, in each of the um, glyphs that of scene of Brenda's, they're in a different position. And there's one or two of the other symbols that were on, on Jim Penniston's glyph come up in them as well. But there are pages and pages and hundreds and hundreds of these glyphs. And Brenda don't know what any of them mean. I don't know what... Some of them look almost, um, you know, like, I don't know, Egyptian. And the, there's all sorts of... of um, at the moment, Gary and another expert is looking at them. And okay. we're, we're waiting for him to to hear back from him but there are lots more that we've uncovered I'm sure they all mean something they're very detailed some alienetic writing um, which was uh, uh, when you was on Big Breakfast Brenda who was yeah. the lady on there Ross like, Reynolds Parnell Ross, yeah Ross Reynolds Parnell um, Brenda channeled these glyphs and when she met this um, Ross she had the same um, glyphs in her book really? these okay. alienetic al alphabet yeah all right. Okay. Okay. Just uh, well, we only have a few more minutes left. I'm just um, 
uh, wanted to assure everyone we're going to be we're going to stay on this subject and we're going yeah. to find out more and get some more people on who have uh, witnessed these things. But uh, Brenda, just I understand just just for for us, if you could just say tell us very briefly, you had a run in with uh, Colonel Hall, Lieutenant Colonel Hall, the deputy commander of the base, who's been on our show many times. Uh, can you just tell us in, in the, just a few words what that was about? Um, you mean I had a run-in with him? You mean when we were arrested on base? Yes, uh, that might Is that what you mean? qualify. Yeah. Or he might mean, might mean when you um, what? When you took control of his son. Oh, well, yeah, well... You're accused of kidnapping his well, son. Well, he accused me of kidnapping his son, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, because when Colonel Holt went to the States and his son was 16, um, Chuck Jr., he was very, very... Um, lonely and bored and him and his other friend Tom who was Ted Conrad's son they um, phoned me up I don't know where he got my phone number from but he said he was um, Chuck Holt's son and could they come over with me and Dot and go around with us and I didn't believe him I thought it was a wind up but no he sort of said he had information that so we went over and picked him up he took us to the landing site in the forest and then um, for the next sort of like, well, before Colonel Holt come back again, he came out nearly every day and every night with us. We went to Colonel Holt's house and sort of spent time with him and he come out and about with us. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a standing joke. He knows I didn't really kidnap him. But everywhere <laughs> we everywhere we go, he says um, I kidnapped his son, you know. And yeah. he's, he's plied him with drink. Yeah, I plied him with drink. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even drink. I don't touch a drop of drink. But, anyway, he... he you know, we plied him with drink and got him drunk to see if he would tell us the truth. But, you know, you know that's just a big wind-up now. You know, okay. that wasn't well, true. I was just curious about that. But we're, we're flat out of time, everyone. And uh, we wanted to thank Brenda Butler and Ronnie Dugdale for all the work they've put in in preparation for this show, too. And it's uh, just the beginning. We'll, we'll have them back. And uh, thank you very much, both of you, for being with us on Behind the Paranormal this evening. Oh, you're welcome, okay. Ben. Bye. Okay. Very good. Bye-bye. Okay, we point out that uh, you can get my books at the Barnes & Noble Nook and Kindle, Amazon Kindle. And our website, of course, is BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find information on guests, past, present, and future, and lots of information in general. So many thanks to our producer, Brandon Jackson, and we will see you right here next week, February 3rd, when my dad and I will host an open-line show to tackle some more of those listener emails on many paranormal topics. In the meantime, tune into our Boston Providence Drive Time show on W O O N twelve forty AM and ONWorldwide.com at six PM Eastern Time every Monday. And check out the almost four hundred and fifty free podcasts of past shows, including the Rendlesham series, at www.behindtheparanormal.com. And we leave you this evening with a thought from that old darling Albert Einstein. Anyone who doesn't take truth take truth seriously in small matters cannot be trusted in large ones either. So thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time.